0: Hello listeners, just a heads up that Brandon's mic was having some audio issues during recording and he occasionally breaks up. We did our best to clean up the sound, but there's still a few words lost. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Funny They Don't Look Jewish, where Judaism appears in the panels. Our purpose is to find characters, stories, and issues of comics that explore explicitly Jewish content. I'm Henry Bernstein. I'm Brandon Bernstein. No No relation. relation. Hey, Brandon. How's it going? Hey, Henry. It's going well. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. In the land of quarantine where it never ends. Reading lots of comics.
1: Every day is the same except for exciting days when we get to do things like present at panels for conferences.
0: Yeah, that was pretty cool. We just had a live episode
1: for the first time at a, a... Uh, it hasn't been released. I mean, it's been recorded. It hasn't yet been released. So it being released is in our future. But by the time you listeners hear this, it will be in your past and you'll already avert it. See, we've time traveled again. Yes. One more comic trope knocked off the list. (laughs) Not bad for two Jewish boys in Chicago.
0: Right. right, right. Great. Well, on that note, who are we looking at today?
1: So Henry, if... Ragman and Moon Knight were C-level characters. We're probably looking at our first D-level superhero. Like almost nobody is going to recognize this guy. And yet some of my favorite Jewish content we've ever discovered, Um, we are looking at DC's Ramban. Yes, you heard that right. Ramban, if he sounds to you like a medieval rabbi, you're not wrong. We'll cover all that in a moment. But Ramban appears uh, in the early 90s along with an entire team of Israeli superheroes. So if you thought Sabra on her own in Marvel was great, DC brings us an entire team of D- uh, of Israeli heroes. This Israeli team called the Chayot appears for the first time in a DC series called Suicide Squad. Now, Henry, I know there was a movie that came out, but can you tell us what is Suicide Squad? Yeah. I'll try to keep both our discussion of the movie and
0: my opinions on the movie, which I'm actually jealous of you because you've never seen it. I I wish I could never have seen it. But anyway. um, Well, no quarantine (laughs) gets really bad the day that I'm like, I did it,
1: Henry. I watched (laughs) Suicide Squad.
0: (laughs) Suicide Squad actually was created back in September of 1959. They're originally an army troop called the Suicide Squad, revisited later in Darwin Cook's New Frontier, both the comic and and the movie actually oh cool yeah the modern incarnation of the suicide squad is task force x created by john ostrander who uh, debuts them in the first post-crisis dc crossover called legends which was a lead-in to the new series they're basically they are run by a woman named amanda waller who works for either argus or check checkmate which is a government a u.s government organization and they have a team of villains who have been captured and they have to do covert missions for the u.s government or else amanda waller will set off a bomb inside their head and they'll die so they they it, it's like a very dark concept and usually every few issues an obscure dc villain dies and sometimes they make up nuance ones for it or they, so it happens um, yeah that's so that like continuity so, cleanup Exactly. So they're nicknamed the Suicide Squad. And the most recent incarnation, they found some popularity, again, is with Harley Qu- Batman's Harley Quinn in um, sort of the, the leader. But
1: this is not that version. Sure. So, Henry, you talked about Amanda Waller a little bit briefly. Um, and based on what you said, it sounds like there's going to be way too many characters for us to keep track of. Can you just let us know, um, maybe... Maybe a little bit more about Amanda Waller. And then who are the main Suicide Squad members we should know about so we can understand Ramban and the Chayot?
0: Yeah, so Amanda Waller, again, created by John Ostrander for uh, Legends. She is a U.S. government official. She is a total hard-ass, you know, unkind, heartless, and deals with these villains that is her team as villains. Like, she she is remorseless. She's kind of a villain, too. Like, she butts heads with Batman all the time, butts heads with, butt heads with Superman. She The the heroes don't like her either. So she's, she's like a total... She's uh, kind of like
1: lawful evil in her alignment, I guess.
0: Yeah, she's just like, listen, these are villains, and I have a right to blow their heads off if they don't do what I say. And she's unapologetic about that yeah okay so amanda waller's the, the leader we're dealing with just the adam usually known as a dc superhero named ray palmer this is a different character with the same powers of shrinking named adam cray and uh count vertigo is the other character green arrow villain and is an interesting villain because he's a super villain to the rest of the world but also to the rest of the world He's the leader of a fictional Eastern European country called Vlatava. And he's had so these sort of international incidents and can often like seek sanctuary in his own country, similar to
1: Marvel's Dr. Doom. Awesome. And you mentioned the fact that they were created by John Ostrander, who's a pretty incredible writer, as we we're going to discuss. And I just wanted to bring up and make sure people knew there was an early... January 1997 article put out by Jay Weekly, which is a wonderful newspaper out in San Francisco about the character we're covering right now, Ramban, bon, as well as John Ostrander. And it lets us know um, that John Ostrander actually uh, worked on Suicide Squad with his wife, Kim Yale. Very cool to see a husband, wife, creative team. Um, and neither of them are Jewish but they felt like given the direction that the story was going, it was important to look into and do research on Judaism. And so um, I don't think it ever appears in the comics, but he lets us know in this article that Ramban grew up conservative, has a conservative Jewish background, is invested in Kabbalah, does these magic spells. And even though neither John Ostrander nor his wife Kim Yale are Jewish, Ostrander notes that he grew up in Chicago's East Rogers Park neighborhood. So he always was close to and had an appreciation for Judaism. really neat to just think, henry uh, as much as we've covered so many jewish characters how many times have we inc- uncovered chicago connections
0: yeah it's amazing and i uh i used you know there was about four years when i was in high school where i bought comics at a couple different shops in rogers park so uh, mostly on west rogers park but that's that's it's cool i love i love our, these little
1: chicago connections we have Yeah, both in real life and in continuity. So I think that's all the background that we really need. And we should really dive in. Once we get into these pages, we're going to do a proper introduction. I know normally we would cover and be like, who's Rambon? What's his powers? What's his real name? We're going to cover all that as we get into the issue. Because this issue is the introduction to him, it just felt more fluid to cover it as we dive into the panels. So Henry, where are we starting off? We're starting with
0: Suicide Squad number 45, September 1990. Name of the story is The Jerusalem Serpent. Written by John Ostrander and Kim Yale, penciled and inked by Jeff Isherwood, colored by Carl Gafford, lettered by Todd Klein, edited by Dan Raspler. And on the cover, we see this sort of uh, Hebraic font, which we're
1: gonna see again later. Yeah, well, I actually just want to cover and, and make sure to say what you were saying, Henry. By there's this Hebraic font, is that the words are in English, but the letters are written to look as though they are Hebrew letters. So, for example, the O in English almost looks like it is actually a Samech. And the E in there's it says serpent of chaos, and the E looks like a shin that's shifted over. And so, um, you maybe have seen this design. It's It's a popular font choice where it's fully written in English, it's English words. But there's something about the flourishings and the the outline of the letters that makes them look a little Hebrew like.
0: Yeah. And uh, I remember when I was uh, on an Israel trip, I remember there was a very popular t shirt people would buy that had the. It looked like Hebrew letters, but upside down, it just said, go
1: F yourself. Yes, yes. Any time that I I went to a tourist market in Tel Aviv, there would be some version of that (laughs) shirt available Uh, at a Shook. (laughs) Yes. All right. So diving in, uh, we're going to pick up on page six, this villain named Cobra is basically set off to start something in Jerusalem that he calls Kali Yuga. Now Kali Yuga is not a Jewish concept. In fact, it's a Hindu concept. And from my understanding um, in Hinduism, there are four different stages of, I suppose, reality or the world. And Kali Yuga is the fourth stage, which is marked by strife, discord, violence, chaos, not getting along according to Sanskrit scriptures. I'm not an expert in this, so listeners, if any of you happen to be experts on Hinduism, I'd love to learn a bit more about Kali Yuga, but essentially, uh, John Ostrander is using it via uh, Cobra to say Cobra's trying to start the Kali Yuga, even though, side note, based on most of what I researched, it looks like Hinduism believes that we've been living in Kali Yuga for several thousand years, whatever. So we're actually in Egypt, and there's an Egyptian leader named Mr. Uh, Nazair, Nazair um, who is hiring Amanda Waller and the... Suicide squad uh, and asking her to go in because he himself does not want to enter Jerusalem due to the geopolitical situation. Um, and he mentions for the first time that there is an Israeli team of meta humans. This is the DC Comics term used. Marvel has mutants and uh, superheroes. And so any being that either was born with, I think, or Uh, was experimented upon to have powers in DC is called a metahuman. So there's this team of Israeli metahumans called the Chayot and they work for the Mossad. So they really are sort of the DC version of Sabra in a certain way in, in terms of having this like superhero that works for the Israeli government. Is that also, the fact that they're called
0: Chayot, which in Hebrew means animals, is that cool? Like, is that a cool name for like, your, for your superhero team? Like if you were like a basketball team, would that be a cool name, you know? Or is it so, like, is it
1: not a nice term? Because it's also not a nice term to call someone uh, like a chayot. a. am actually really glad you brought that up, Henry. So so I think in this specific instance, it is cool and I'm about to explain why. Chayot um, can literally mean animals, but it's actually, it can also be used to just refer to like a living thing, right? It's a word that has multiple uh, definitions to it. And in fact, as we're gonna see with Mr. Nazir explaining it, it's specifically a reference. When we talk on a biblical level about Chayot, we're actually referring to uh, a vision that the prophet Ezekiel had in the book of Ezekiel or Yehezkel. And Mr. Nazire says, they're the four living beasts of Ezekiel and Revelation. Um, which why he mentions the book of Revelation, which is part of the New Testament, <laughs> which doesn't matter in Judaism. And also, I could be wrong, but I'm assuming Mr. Nazir is Muslim. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the the New Testament has some holy sanctity throughout Islam, but it's just weird that he mentions it.
0: Wait, do you anyway, think?
1: Wait, no, no, no. That
0: we have. To, I'm sorry to pull on this thread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you think that that was just um, um an oversight by Ostrander, assuming that the book that Revel? I mean. Jews have a concept of revelation. It's just that it's the giving of the Torah at Sinai. It's, it's very clear that he's talking about the book of the revelation. book of Revelation. So do yeah. you think he doesn't know that it's not that, that there's something different that the five books of Moses plus the prophets plus like, does he know, does he not know the difference between the old and new Testament? Does he think it's all one? Is it just some sort of Judeo Christian um, amalgamation that we see among people who don't know?
1: No, I think it's just him writing to the audience and he knows that his audience is familiar with the New Testament because for the most part, I would imagine that comic book readers right, like in America in general, especially in the early 90s, um, there's a Christian majority and so I think he's just writing to that majority and so he's like oh they're both included in Ezekiel and I guess the Re- I actually have never read the book of Revelations so I couldn't uh, comment on it but um, I, that's what I imagine I based on the research Ostranger does I don't think he would make a little mistake like that and think that right. this was part of Hebrew canon I think it's right. just uh, it's the same way where sometimes we read something and it's written in a very uh, like when, when we read about like Sabbath dinner um, and it's like he clearly said Shabbat, din- Shabbat dinner or Shabbos dinner? Like no one says Sabbath dinner. It was right. just written so that the audience could understand it better. Right where we were was talking about chayot. Is this an insult or what is it? And essentially, the opening chapter of Ezekiel begins with this wild and crazy vision that, in many ways, is actually the the origin, the 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 germinating seed for a lot of Jewish mysticism to come. And in Ezekiel, he has this vision of four. Creatures, um, umitocha demut arba chayotes. And in the center of this vision, there was the appearance or the figure of four chayotes, four beasts or creatures or living things. And each of these beasts actually has four heads or four faces. Um, and they have hands and they have wings, and of those faces, it basically uh, remarks that they have um. It's sort of like one head facing north, one or one facing front, one facing right, one facing left, one facing behind, and the four faces are a human face, a lion face, an ox face, and an eagle face, so there's these really bizarre multi uh species um Amalgamations of different things, and these are called the Chayotes. Um, so it's not just saying like beasts, but rather these like strange creatures that Ezekiel, I guess, is so he's seeing a vision that's so utterly bizarre that he's lost for words, and the only thing he can really call them are beasts. The reason I think this Israeli superhero team being called Chayot is cool rather than bizarre is that there's four of them, which means it perfectly matches. I think if there were um five members or 10 members or a dozen members, then Chayot, yeah, it's kind of a weird, why are you calling yourself the beast? But it's very clearly a biblical illusion that there were four creatures and each creature had four heads and there are four members of this team. So I think it's like a nice knowing illusion. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, so then, at the bottom of the page, we actually get to learn about all these characters. So I'm going to go ahead and review them really quick. Um, the first one is Golem. Wouldn't you figure? We've read a few stories now. I mean, we saw in Ragman we had a, a living Golem. Golem is uh, has these superpowers. He can basically make his body uh, so that it is composed out of different elements like water and oil and sand, etc. Um, and it lets us know that Golem's real name is. Uh, Moisha Nachman, uh, which is really funny because, um, we're here to discuss specifically a character named Ramban. Maybe I'll jump ahead to say this. Ramban is uh, the acronym for the medieval rabbi, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman. So the fact that we have a character named Moshe Nachman, and that's the real name, but not of the character named after Ramban, it's a little weird. It's kind of like Ostrander did his research, and I don't know if he messed up and meant for Moisha Nachman to be Ramban's real name or the name just stuck in his head. Maybe he like did the research and was like, I need to come up with a name for Golem. I've got Moisha Nachman in my head for some reason. Um, anyway. Wait so it's like, also it's also awesome yeah. that it's Moisha
0: Nachman and not Moshe. It's literally yeah, Moisha. Ashkenazi, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's really written as Moshe. That's the way he, he, he does it. Um, the other member of the team that we see here is Judith. Um, Judith is only described as a female assassin. Um, so why uh, Judith? So uh, in addition to all of our lovely Hebrew books of the Tanakh, of the Hebrew Bible, um, there's also this whole collection of works known as Apocrypha. Um, Apocryphal books, Henry, are collection of works from around the second temple period that ultimately were not included within the canon of the Bible, but are acknowledged as existing and sometimes even as having some degree of authority. Maybe, um, the Talmud actually even refers to them. It calls them, um, Sfarim uh, Khitsonim, or sort of like outside or ext- extraneous books. Um, and in the story of Judith itself, it's basically about a beautiful widow who gains the trust of an Assyrian general named Holofernes, seduces him, gets him to spend the night with her, and then while he's there and drunk, she decapitates him, thus saving her town and saving her people. So Judith is kind of a badass. Um, and there's a lot of like famous art pictures you may know of the decapitation of Holofernes, um, which Kind of bull that it's called that when it's make it about the man getting decapitated when it should really be celebrating the hero who's <laughs> Judith But so we have this awesome female assassin named Judith and then of course we have the reason that we're here Henry Ramban um, and it actually mentions that he's named after quote one of the great Kabbalistic mages of old um, so Ramban was Spanish medieval rabbi who is a famous commentator like if you open a, uh, a book of commentary on the Torah and it just has sort of the classical commentators Ramban will usually Be one of them. He is not to be confused with Rambam, Maimonides. Maimonides and Rambam, Maimonides, aka Rambam, lived, uh, I think, a century or two, a century before Ramban. Ramban, by the way, is also known as Nachmanides. Anyway, so Ramban was a halachist, a doctor, a philosopher, um, and happened to be into mysticism there's actually a really really wonderful sketch um from the show how Yehudim Baim in which basically everybody keeps going to Ramban thinking that he's Rambam and mistaking him and then they're like oh no I was looking for the guy who's like also a doctor and he's like I'm also a doctor no I was looking for the one who's also a philosopher I'm also a philosopher and it's just like why does Ramban anyway so I love that it's <laughs> Ramban I love that he's yeah What we're you gonna say Henry I just I love that sketch and it's so
0: it's like it's so funny to have to explain who Ramban is, because you always get confused with Rambam, Confusing. even though even the pronunciation is different, Rambam and Ramban. It, it's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. oh, true enough. True enough. Right. So Ramban. Um, but it's cool yeah, of Ostrander that he kind of dug a little deeper than like he could have called him Rambam, just for fun and to make it more. Right. But this is and a little it, more close to who that character
1: would be. Rambam wouldn't have been into that mystical, you know, the mystical stuff. Exactly. Right? I wanted to highlight that, that that is like, it's such a pointed, marked difference because Rambam um, was an ultra rationalist, right? He was all about the logical, the rational. He was a scientist and he was all about the um, Aristotelian logic and philosophy as brought to him by way of... Arab philosophers of the time, so like he would call Kabbalah and mysticism a bunch of Narishkite and foolishness if he were to use that term. But um, <laughs> you know, he he would he would be very much against it. Whereas Ramban um, Ramban was both a student of the Rambam and of mysticism, right? right? He was like big into Kabbalah, and so I love the fact that he uses this to make. I do not think that Ramban was a a magician as this new <laughs> character is, but I love the fact that they use that as the basis to uh, to create our, our magical superhero. For those of you who are keeping track, you may notice we've only mentioned three characters. On page seven, we get referenced to the fourth of them, which is uh, only a name, Dybbuk. Um, and we find out that it's rumored to be an Israeli artificial intelligence which is really cool um, we're going to hear about this in comic a little later but just to make sure everyone else knows a dibbic is essentially a possessing spirit um, that takes over the body of a living person it first became recorded as a known term in literature from the 16th century so it's not that ancient a piece of Jewish folklore it's perhaps best known because of its involvement in Jewish culture now through a play written by by S. Onski known as the Dybbuk, um, which also has a movie version based on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's my really favorite. scary if you like horror. Yeah. Which I do. I'm actually, uh, my horror book club has been, uh, it's one of the contenders for a book to read next uh, month. I don't think we're going to, but we might watch the movie. It's um, really, yeah. I, I still have nightmares about it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Now a divic story I did not have nightmares about, but it's also awesome is if anyone has seen the 2009 film, maybe 2010, a serious man by the Coen brothers, the opening of that movie is right. essentially a mini movie in its own right. Um, featuring a Dybbuk or what could be a Dybbuk great movie to see um so anyway we have this Israeli artificial intelligence and Amanda Waller gives the best possible response um she
0: says an artificial intelligence a Jewish computer I wonder if it's reformed conservative or orthodox
1: oh oh I mean it pains me that she limited it and didn't include other denominations but like what a wonderful I know. like I love this idea I, I
0: have to just say something about Amanda Waller here. This is, in a, I know this is going to sound strange. This is sort of classic Amanda Waller because as it continues, he says, please do not joke. And she says, I'm not. It's a very important, perhaps key question. So she's she's making a joke, but she has to be a total jerk about it. That's that's what right. she does. Like she's just screwing with this guy.
1: <laughs> that's right. She's messing. But also, I don't know if you take it at surface level, a an artificial intelligence that was convinced that it had reformed Jewish <laughs> values and outlook would be very different than an artificial intelligence right. that was orthodox. Right. right. Like I, I can only imagine. Well, an artificial intelligence would either love orthodoxy because of all of the sort of rules to follow in the halakha, or there would be certain contradictions that it would just be like, what is this? Like, It would have to come to certain logical conclusions. But um, yeah, it's really wonderful to sort of uh, get this throwaway joke line that also could lead you to thinking like, oh, how would a reform computer be different than a conservative computer be different than an orthodox computer?
0: Right, and it's also both awesome and... Sort of a little inaccurate to have this character called that because that would be a great name for a villainous virus, computer virus, right? But dibic, uh, you know, we won't spoil what's coming up. But you know, dibic is a character. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And and and, and a dibic is a bad thing. It's not good. You don't want a dibic. Right, 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 right. Well, you get maybe dibics exercised.
1: <laughs> but maybe the idea is right that for because this is part of like Israeli intelligence maybe the idea is for every other country you don't want our dybbuk but we're going to send it after you right so it's Uh, not like scary to them because they control it quote unquote but like for everyone else like how terrifying would that be if your country knew that a counterintelligence or that a a rival intelligence organization could send something known as a dybbuk your way right like it kind of fits in with these like um you know, it's like a hacker fear almost. Right.
0: It, 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 it is totally like a hacker fear, which is so perfect for this period of time. You know, like that that in the in the late eighties, early nineties, movies, comics, TV, they loved the embodiment of the internet and or like two characters get trapped in the internet and have to get out. You know, that that stuff was all over nineties. 90s culture, even in like Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is like already in the future, they still were like, oh, you know, a living computer virus or we're trapped inside the, the computer. That's <laughs> like, so this is perfect for this. What I was going to say is that this is a, a great v- version of the Suicide Squad in, in Israel that like, you know, you wouldn't want Amanda Waller to send the s- Suicide Squad to your country, just like you wouldn't want Israel to send a Dybbuk to, to your country.
1: Exactly, right, right Like These are the organizations that should be interacting with each other Or the teams on that level As opposed to like, it wouldn't make as much sense to have the Justice League Interacting with the Hyotes. Yeah, exactly um, Great, so we're going to get a little bit more into those uh, Computer fears, but we're skipping ahead to page 13 Where Cobra is in Israel And the Chayote launch an attack on Cobra And all of his men um, Judith declares The sword of Zion is among you Yes, yes um, Yes, right, and she's (laughs) slashing at people. Ramban then, uh, as he's fighting and casting spells, goes, by the ineffable name, and in the next panel, may the patriarchs protect me. Um, And I think, Henry, we talked about this. Like, if this page was all that existed, we'd roll our eyes and be like, this is the most cliched, hackneyed, nothing but catchphrase-based, like, what an offensive characterization. Thank God these stories continue and we get more amazing things. But at the beginning, it's just like, what in the world is going on?
0: It's a little eye-rolly or, you know, like the sword of Zion is among you. But also, Judith is cool. Like, (laughs) you know. Right, no, for sure, for sure. (laughs) But
1: also, if you look at it, uh, she is a, like assassin that is covered almost head to toe and you can't tell who she is and she's coming at you with a sword screaming the sword of zion is like that's terrifying and even
0: though and ramban even though saying by the ineffable name and the may the patriarchs protect me is so cheesy like he's clearly invoking the unpronounceable name of god and this both delighted me and annoyed me because he he i think he shouldn't be saying the ineffable name that doesn't mean anything that's sort of like to me writing a dash instead of g-o-d i think yeah. is unnecessary i mean if, if people want to do it that's they're comfortable with fine yeah. but for me i think it's a little unnecessary because it's just an english word it doesn't mean anything so to say ineffable name that could mean anything what's it he should have said some version of yud and then hey and then vav and then hey you know, even right, if it was right. ri- scratched out or something, or uh, you'd cave of, you know, you'd whatever. But there should have been some Hebrew there that he was putting out there into the world, not saying by the ineffable name, like
1: right, right. If I he's calling
0: down from the name of God, you know, then God should, you know, you should say the name.
1: Yeah. So, so two thoughts. One thought is like. It, if if he's just saying the letters, that would make sense. But like, I don't think he would pronounce it, even for the sake of spells, unless he were maybe like the high priest, right? Like, I, I get the feeling that Ramban is the kind of guy who has that sensitivity and would not necessarily like attempt to to pronounce the name. Although maybe not. Maybe in Jewish mysticism and in some of this magic, there would be. Yeah, crazy. I bet.
0: I bet canonically, like maybe it hasn't been written, but it's out there. I bet
1: Ramban, Ramban is a is a Kohain. That he's he's Yeah, he could be. He could be. Um it would be very cool to see that. Now here's my other question for you, Henry is is it possible um that he's not casting a spell? You know, Beast goes like, oh my stars and gardens <laughs> like is it when you surprise him? He's just like, by oh, the ineffable name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and Then maybe. is it more acceptable if that's what's going on? Or like
0: if Superman says like
1: great Scott.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, okay, if that's the case then awesome i i'm, I'm gonna start saying that too and of course i i would obviously if i was also inclu- rewriting these panels a different way i would also say may the patriarchs and the matriarchs protect me
1: 100 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, percent. yeah yeah um
0: especially because judith's standing right there <laughs> she's literally a
1: matriarch <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The the silent warrior. Although uh, <laughs> Golem gets no dialogue, so he's the real silent warrior. But yeah, one hundred percent with you. Um we don't see the result of the battle, but by the end of the issue, which is where we're jumping to next for our content on page twenty-two, we um we meet the uh liaison to the Chayot. Basically, this is the Israeli version of Amanda Waller to a certain degree. Um, he's the governmental official who's with them. His name is Colonel HaKohen, so I'm assuming this guy is definitely a priest. So, yeah, he's a definitely a kohen, yeah. yeah, he's <laughs> definitely Yeah, he's definitely but he does not seem to care. Uh, he feels like as Chiloni as as secular as possible. Yeah. Um, and Colonel HaKohen on page 22 lets Amanda Waller know that the Chayot have confronted Cobra and, quotes, they did what Israelis always do, Mrs. Waller they won um which is just like the the level of of like arrogance there that it's just like i feel i know the exact type of israeli who would talk this way
0: i know this guy i, I i've been yeah. to show with this guy yeah <laughs> 100
1: for better or for worse yeah Um, And that's the end of our first issue. So let's go really quick. Suicide Squad number 46 comes out October 1990. Continuation of the story. This story is called Choice of Evils. Uh, For the most part, it's the same creative team. The one exception is it is now penciled by Luke McDonald rather than penciled and inked by Jeff Isherwood, but Jeff Isherwood is still inking it. Um, So I think for the sake of time, we're not going to go through all of the credits, Um, but otherwise it's the same team. So, Henry, why don't you take us through this issue?
0: On page one, uh, we see that same font, that Hebraic English font, where it says Choice of Evils on the cover, and we're at the Hyatt Hotel in
1: Jerusalem. Okay, so... um... As you said, we're at the, it's actually not the Hyatt, but the High hat Hotel, right? <laughs> it like has this extra H because I guess of, of copyright issues. Um, but I just want to point out that there is indeed a Hyatt Regency uh, on the Mount Scopus. Uh, so there is indeed a Hyatt Regency in Jerusalem. It's amazing to know the Suicide Squad is staying there. Um, and now, as you were saying, Henry, w- uh, what page are we on now?
0: So we're on page four and we're back to that conversation or maybe a new conversation between Amanda Waller and Colonel Hakohen and he asks her what do you know about dybbuk and she she says that it's a computer-generated artificial intelligence but then she gives this very precise and well thought out and short explanation of a dybbuk she says um a dybbuk is the spirit of a dead person who enters and possesses the body of a living person i'm guessing dybbuk can possess things like electric machinery and circuitry like cobra's force field so you see why she's why dybbuk is useful for this particular mission
1: totally um and like such a great explanation also of like all right this is what a real dybbuk is and now here's the computer of the dybbuk uh and such a cool it's like a it's a cool creative concept based on the powers um that also i feel like if it were a, if actually if it were a Jewish author, I don't think they ever would name the character Divik because the associations of what a Divick does would be stronger than just like the the clear definition. Like yeah. I think only a non-Jewish writer like Ostrander would make this connection. But I love it. It's such right. a creative way of using it.
0: Right. He doesn't have generations of like Ashkenazi, you know, folklore stories from you know the old country about the the Dybbuk that possessed the one person in town and the. 18th century you know (laughs) i
1: know you just saying that makes me be like every time we say it should we be spitting and throwing salt over our shoulder right right, right. yeah yeah Yeah, just to sort of establish what happened immediately beforehand they gave dibbik an assignment dibbik is like why doesn't ramban like me Um, (laughs) uh away now, Colonel Hakohen and Ramban are discussing this Israeli artificial intelligence, and I, one hundred percent, Henry, I th- think that, like, not necessarily by content, but by the logic and the flow of it, this and the content, this is the most Jewish ar- like argument discussion we'll ever see. So, um, I'll be Ramban and Henry, you'll be Colonel Hockenheim. Great. I watched that hologram, and I, I ask myself. Dibbik is certainly an Israeli computer, but is he Jewish?
0: Can a computer keep a kosher program? And just how many angels can really dance on the head of a microchip? Your rabbinical training is talking, Ramban. This is Pilpul, an absurd exercise in air splitting logic. There is no difference.
1: Perhaps. Perhaps you cannot be Israeli without being Jewish. But you can be jewish without being israeli just how unique is our artificial intelligence our dybbic is it capable of introspection? does self-awareness include a morality derived from the torah does it have a soul questions such as these are never absurd it's what separates any people from becoming nazis ethics
0: have little to do with the machine's function ramban Dybbuk controls only those functions in security that we program him to cover no more.
1: We control him or because he chooses to comply. And that's the end of the page. And like, oh, I just love it, Henry. (laughs) It's, I mean, I know we might be like overplaying the point, but I I just, I guess let's go through it bit by bit conversations we have it all the time i feel like israelis uh come to u.s and often when they're out all of a sudden they end up missing they find it in judaism and they rediscover their judaism but there's definitely that discussion of what's the difference between israeli and jewish it's so vibrant and alive and relevant right right now
0: yeah and you know that's it's not an unfamiliar question even from an american standpoint because you know uh we've talked a a lot offline about how you know i grew up with jewish summer camp and and jewish youth group and you very much didn't do jewish summer camp but a big thing and it like gets made fun of all the time is when you have discussion groups at camp and it's like the hot topic is you know the counselors ask are you an american jew or are you a jewish american and like you know they make you you really think about it and discuss it and it's kind of a stupid question, but um, but it's just I, I felt this conversation was very familiar to read, and maybe right. at the time that this comic came out, I was even being asked those questions about as an as an American
1: Jew. And it's a question of the core of identity, right? Like, is this computer ultimately Israeli? In which case, that is more of a arguably a political identity or a national identity versus is this is this uh, computer Jewish, which is, can also be um, a cultural identity and a religious identity, and uh, does Dibbuk owe anything to um, to Jews in diaspora, or does it only owe things to Israel, and does that mean the government of Israel or the land of Israel? What does it mean to, right, like, there's, like, so much that's being implied here, um, and, like, the, before we get too lost in this, the one thing I want to point out is I do disagree with Ramban when he says that you can be you cannot be Israeli without being Jewish because of course there are indeed Israeli citizens who are not Jewish, yeah. whether that be um, Bedouins who've been given citizenship or Arab, Arab Israelis or um, just the non-Jewish partners of people who came to Israel, for example, Russia right, or the former Soviet Union. Um, there are lots of Israelis who are not Jewish. So I disagree with that line. But Yeah, it was already remember. a line. I was like, Ugh, that's not yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that Colonel Huckohan just like asked these like silly questions where we we're also getting his sense of humor, how many angels can dance on the head of a microchip, which he's making a reference to the expression, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, which uh, my understanding is it's actually a uh, shorthand for more modern scholars might challenge medieval scholarship and concerns and debates and the fact that they're focused on essentially irrelevant matters. <laughs> but then immediately after that, right, we get a couple things. This is Peelpool your rabbinical training is talking um okay your rabbinical training is talking gives us confirmation Henry we have a rabbi who's a superhero <laughs> did he get ordained we don't know if he finished
0: school maybe <laughs> in,
1: in my head it must have been ordained yeah I am not letting go of the fact that we have who could be our first rabbi superhero I finally it only it. took us. 14 episodes (laughs) right right like i i I need this i need him to be a rabbi (laughs) like i just love it um for
0: for those of you that don't know not only is brandon a rabbi i'm married to a rabbi both of my brothers are rabbis (laughs) this is like this is a big big deal for us
1: yeah 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 juventation is something i will fight for uh till my dying breath and to get rabbi representation is not something i need to fight for something that warms my heart like so few other things uh, <laughs> it's like, when in the world would you imagine that you would get a mainstream superhero comic that references peel pool <laughs> um so Never. so Never. The answer is never. This is, uh, there are so many Jewish concepts that I would introduce into a comic book way before Peelpool. But Pilpul is essentially, um, it's it's a collective term, uh, according to the Jewish Virtual Library, that uh, basically is used to refer to a lot of different methods of Talmudic study, uh, especially by the use of subtle legal, conceptual, and casuistic differentiation. So in other words, it's getting really deep into the nitty gritties in order to straighten out contradictions. And reveal that like these two statements that seem to say different things actually are saying the same thing and and it's it's Really really intense focused narrow Logical takes on studying the Talmud and for a period of time It was like the way of studying Talmud the fact that he asks like is dibbik's morality rooted in Torah I love that the idea of like, well, what is his morality rooted? in Um, I'm constantly asking my students and others, like, what are we rooting our morality in? Are we, are we, do we get it out of Torah? Do we bring it to Torah? Are we just cultural Jews of uh, one political party or another, right? Do our politics determine our morality? Like, they're important questions. Um, And I I said it before, but like, I think asking what makes something Jewish is arguably one of the most Jewish questions you could possibly ask. Um, So just between the back and forth and the things that Ramban brings up, not only is it Jewish, it brings up so many questions. You could use this page for an entire lesson plan. And reading it and seeing Ramban ask, especially towards the end there, like to see him asking like, is it because we control Divik or because he chooses to? It just makes me it makes me think about the number of staff meetings where i felt like my role as rabbi sometimes was to to ask the question that got people thinking right to ask the question that got people reconsidering the issue at hand and and really diving in from a new angle and it feels like that's exactly what he does
0: i, I think it it's like a deep jewish question too if you're a, an observant jew that fo- that is trying to follow the all these laws that were conscribed by people rabbis you know very specific things and you believe that it's in service of something greater, then what's the point? Like, is it, is it be, to serve some sort of master that's all been planned out and predetermined? You know, it seems like Judaism, is sort, you know, teaches that things aren't predetermined. We have free will. So mm-hmm. it's this very, you know, beautiful um, question, question of choice that he's asking as well. On page 15, Judith assaults Vixen. Vixen, by the way, DC Comics heroine who has been on the Suicide Squad and the Justice League. So I think it has some origins in, in villainry, but is is a hero for sure. Judith assaults Vixen with <laughs> Jewish throwing stars, like ninja yes. stars. But they're stars of
1: David. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, oh my God, Henry, if they made like, uh, you know, like I've seen you go somewhere and they they have like uh, a Fisher Replica batarang made of this heavy metal for a hundred dollars to be able to purchase this collectible memorabilia. If they for some reason made Judith Star of David throwing stars available You'd get to a purchase, couple. like of course I would get some. How could I not? So. <laughs> I know I'm gonna be getting a text from you.
0: Henry, look what I got from a collection. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, Neca and Sideshow Collectibles and Mezco, if you're <laughs> listening. <laughs> um, so that so then she says after she she throws this throwing stars. She says, "You have been identified as terrorists. Whatever your purpose on Israeli soil, the Sword of Zion shall thwart your plans." So it seems like the Sword of Zion is either her nickname or. A catchphrase either way both are kind of awesome that if she's just shouting out her own name when she attacks Yeah, (laughs) yeah that would be cool or if she's referring to herself as the sword of zion that's also awesome it's like the rock is the people's
1: champion you know one right yeah yeah that third person talking the final option right is that like she's just like called like her sword her actual weapon is the sword of zion in which case like maybe it's like the power rests in the sword not just her abilities so she's like this sword of zion will stop you <laughs> yeah it's literally her sword the last thing at the end is um because has been imprisoned by the coyote. he has access to Dybbuk and turns out he's been secretly talking to Dybbuk and actually manipulating this artificial intelligence um, in or accomplish his own nefarious plans. And uh, Henry, what has he convinced Dybbuk to do? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing. This is just, he has convinced
0: Dybbuk to blow up the dome of the rock And we have some really intense couple shots here at the end, of dibek says of of a of a fighter jet, an Israeli fighter jet with the Israeli flag on his helmet. And this fighter, this fighter pilot looks scared out of his mind, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And the caption says, "Dibek has possessed a flight of military jets. The pilots are no longer in control of their planes, and all communications have been severed. So he, they're not even flying. They're not even control. And you see these three Israeli fighter jets with the Israeli flag flying towards the Dome of the Rock with the intention of blowing it up. And that just... It was like a scary shot to see. It was, it, it, it freaked me out.
1: Uh, yeah, it's very intense. And they're, so they're going to blow up the Dome of the Rock because ultimately the Divic wants to start construction of the third temple um, and build up, uh, you know, a third temple because uh, the Dome of the Rock uh, was built over the same where the temple had been. And many believe over the space of the Holy of Holies potentially. Um, so, right. So there's, I just wanted to talk. There is this sort of, I would call extremist religious movement um, that does want to rebuild the Third Temple. Um, due to the fact that Dome of the Rock exists, as you can imagine, um, to do so would just create, be a geopolitical and religious nightmare and create, uh, and as the comic says, uh, a holy war, right? It, it is always a sensitive topic. Um, it's insane to talk about building a Third Temple given the reality of what exists there. Um, but there is indeed a Third Temple movement. Um, and I just wanted to bring up a couple important dates, Henry, in regard to this movement, so the Third Temple movement is exactly what it sounds like. It's a movement of people that want to construct the Third mo- Temple. Um, they've done things like basically um, trying to prepare Kohanim priests uh, to learn the rituals so that they can perform sacrifices at the temple again. They're you know learning the ways of animal sacrifice and sort of trying to educate people so we can basically leave the rabbinic Judaism that we've known for the past 2000 years and return to uh, the biblical way of life more or less. Um, and so those important dates I wanted to point out are that in 1984, um, a Jewish underground attempted to actually blow the Dome of the Rock up. Um, so that's a scary moment in history. In 1987, the, um, The Temple Institute was founded, and it was supposed to be a non-educational organization all about the Third Temple and constructing the Third Temple. Um, And the final and craziest moment is that um, in October of 1990, the Third Temple movement officially announced that it would soon attempt to lay the cornerstone of the Third Temple, meaning that it would start construction while the Dome of the Rock was still there and the response to this was a bunch of riots but again I just want to point out they made this announcement in October of 1990. Henry what is the cover date of the issue that we are covering right now? October 1990. Whoa. Yeah. It's <laughs> wild. Now, obviously the fact that it's cover dated October 1990 out means that it actually was released earlier in the year than that, right? Like you can't design a comic instantaneously to come out after it happens, but I imagine what that means is that there was thing in the air. Like John Ostrander, I don't think he just clearly I'd imagine that in 1990 if you're paying attention to news around the Middle East, there are probably rumblings of this kind of thing and there was like this was not just a far-out story. It's probably a very real, and this probably felt like this very easily could have been reality, that you could have seen um, a holy war erupting in the Middle East if something like this happened. So it's insane that the same month that the Third Temple Movement announced this, this comic came out. I think like one of the highest stakes cliffhangers we've probably ever encountered. Um, And so let's go ahead and go into the conclusion and the last issue we're going to cover today. Um, Henry, give us a little bit about uh, the details for our next issue.
0: Okay. So we're looking at suicide
1: squad number 47, November, 1990 choice of dooms. We're actually going to go pretty far into the comic for starting. On page 12, we once again see some of those Israeli fighter jets. And then just for people to know, um, we mentioned him earlier, Count Vertigo is basically um, preventing the rockets from actually landing. He's the one that's uh, causing the rockets to fly away and to just go out into the desert, it looks like. Yeah, Um, and like I just want to say that Count
0: Vertigo, every time I've encountered him in comics, I'm always a little uncomfortable, and that's sort of this Ashkenazi thing about me where I'm like, what was going on in his country? You know, like, w- when his father was Count or whatever, like, what was going on in, like, let's say, 1938, 40, sure, 41, sure. you know? Like, uh, there there have to be Vlatavian Jews. Right, right, right. And what happened to them, if not? <laughs> you know, yes, like, because yes. I think it's, it's, it's specifically near, um, it's actually... I think we saw when we looked it up that it's near uh, Hungary, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow, what an interesting question. Where did fictional comic book countries lie during World Wars? Right, where were their allegiances? Was it part of the Axis powers? Was it part of the Allies? Was it one of the countries that was just invaded by Nazi Germany and, um, right, sort of was was uh, was a puppet government? established in that instead. Um, you could ask about Vlatava and and Latveria and Marvel. And I don't know if if any of these sort of, it's a really fascinating question. And I don't know if we'd ever see stories that would even attempt, like, sometimes it feels like the Holocaust, even though we see it in comic books, it's such a, a heavy topic that I don't know if they would even want to uh, address what their fictional countries were doing at that time. Right.
0: I mean, like, Doom you know even if we're sticking with the normal comic timeline you know doom we didn't see him till the 60s so like but
1: but latveria existed as a country exactly exactly beforehand
0: and i just think like doom would have dr doom would have kicked hitler's ass like
1: oh sure yeah if he wasn't a baby at the time or non-existent yeah
0: the war would have been over in a second you know like and Obviously, on the DC side, you had the Justice Society helping out, but... Right, or the bombshell series that we explored. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, anyway, moving on. All
1: right, so we're at the bottom of page 14. We're really going to be looking at page 15, but we just wanted to capture uh, this little bit. Um, so... Essentially, the Adam um, who we discussed has encountered Ramban and convinced Ramban that uh, he overheard everything that happened with Dibek and Dibek being manipulated by Cobra. And so, the bottom of page fourteen, Ramban is confronting Dybbuk, Um And uh, Henry, why don't you go ahead and read the dialogue bit that I know you you wanted to bring up? Okay, you be uh, Ramban. The bottom of the page, Ramban looks at Dibek and just says, "Dibek, you've monitored this conversation, new." You of course <laughs> deny the allegations. Um and he's referring to the allegations that the Adam is making that Dybek was uh talking with Cobra.
0: Yeah, and I just love that Ramvan said new. No. Yeah. Like they wrote out new. No. And it's the second time in this Run of the this series, this short series of three issues, where he said that. So it's just it's a nice little detail
1: that to have this rabbi superhero say no, no, yeah, yeah, right. Which is like this very like both rabbinic and also Israeli expression to be able to be like no, what's going on? Um, <laughs> all right, so we're on page fifteen now. Um, basically, Ramban has used very Talmudic logic to prove that Dybbuk is lying because Dibik is waffling back and forth about revealing where Cobra is, and Ramban is like, that of course means that you're lying, so our friend the Adam is right. Um, I love the fact that whereas in so many other superheroes, there would be like this misunderstanding, and he would just be fighting the Atom being like, I don't care what you say, uh, Dibick is my teammate, I'm gonna fight you, and Ramban instead is like, let's think about this, he says that Dibick was manipulated, I'm gonna ask Dibick. oh, okay, I think that uh, we should listen to the Atom, actually. Um, and then, Ramban ends up like hovering and levitating by means of reciting this bizarre spell he goes Yitsira Tiferet Yudhe Vavhe Um So just to review uh that time, he yeah. Says this it. <laughs> time, he says it. He basically he says Yitziro, which is a reference to one of four Kabbalistic worlds, the world of creation. Then he says Tiferet, which is a reference to one of the ten spherot. Um, It is considered sort of the core of the body, the middle of the seventh spherot, um, the the body of God in a certain way, um, the, the power of the sun. Um, so he he recites this Sphera, and then he spells out the ineffable name, the Tetragrammaton. He spells out Yud Hey Vav Hey. Um, it's a really bizarre spell, but I kind of love it, and I love that through reciting these, you know, Hebrew and Kabbalistic words, he's able to just levitate there. Um, we also <laughs> we didn't mention it, but just to say, in addition to magic spells, one of Ramban's powers is apparently what's called photokinesis, which means he uh, he can manipulate light and uh, and therefore I think sort of uh, cast illusions with it and fight with it a little bit. Cool things, um, and yeah.
0: I just wanted to say something you said earlier about how if it had been a different superhero, they would have been fighting each other. And and, and Ramban here is is very pastoral yes, and talks to yes. him. And how different that is from Sabra. we like, we mostly saw no character from Sabra other than fighting. And she kind of comes in guns blazing every time. The Hulk, the Hulk, She-Hulk. <laughs> She's like always fighting and... What, what kind of character would she be if she had just said, hmm, I hear what you're saying?
1: Right, yeah. right. And, like, I, you know, we talked about it, I think, when we were prepping for this episode. Um, Colonel Hukohen is a great example of an Israeli character with a prickly attitude who uh, is rather stubborn and angry but still feels like he's got character and isn't just a one note, I am Israel. I am angry. Um, right. and then you've got Ramban who has this deep character. And the more we get to more know him, the more we see that he's this sensitive pastoral soul, as you just said, who would rather talk about things, uh, in order to get to the bottom of it. It's just like, um, not that it's a competition but in this particular case the dc version of israeli superheroes is way better than the marvel version like i'm sorry sabra you're just not cutting it in comparison to this and it's a shame that ramban is like a, a d level or less character because you know not to like get ahead we'll talk about this at the end but he may be the jewish superhero that i actually think is the best role model right? Like he's the best Jewish role model. Um, And maybe I'm biased as a rabbi, right? But like, as you said, he's using a pastoral means of confronting the situation rather than a, a violent one. It's great. So let's go to page 17.
0: Why should I change my course of action? I have considered the consequences. The loss of life falls within an acceptable parameter, considering the goal to be reached, clearing the way for the
1: rebuilding of the temple for the greater glory of God. An admirable goal an abominable method. Consider, dibek, your very being springs from numbers, one of the three sephirot, or components of the universe. That means the binary code that governs your programming is divine in origin. You were created in the image of God, thus subject to halakha, the law of God, and what you label acceptable is immoral. That was great. All right. What a nice sermon. A great Josh? right? Like, oh, uh, um, okay. So we have Dybbuk essentially saying like, this is all for God's glory, which how much does this, the language of religious fundamentalists, I'm going to engage in this act of violence for the purpose of, uh, uh making God's name great. And then Ramban really wonderfully, you know, stating that numbers, he calls numbers one of three sfirot, and I was a little confused by what he meant by that. Um, There's a few possibilities. The sfirot in Kabbalah usually refers to ten emanations or aspects of God. However, um, in the book of creation, Sefer Yitzirah, which predates uh, the Zohar and many other Kabbalistic texts, um, it lists the building blocks of creations as being numbers and letters, those being the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and the 10 numbers of a, a base 10 number system. Um, and those numbers are referred to as Sfirot. So I was wondering, like, oh, it, when he says the three components of the universe, the three Sfirot, does he mean numbers, letters, and I don't know what the third thing would be. I checked a little bit of Sefer Yitzirah and couldn't figure out. Um, other possibilities are he actually means the upper three spherot. When we get to the the idea of tenth spherot, they're divided between the upper three that are closer to God and the lower seven. So maybe it means that. Or in Sefer Yitzhi-Ra, it talks about three of the twenty-two letters are these mother letters, which would be Aleph, Mem, and Shin. But I, you know, I I, I I couldn't figure anything out. So listeners, if any of you happen to know what would be the three spherot of which numbers are one, again, I assume it'd be numbers letters and i don't know maybe god God's spirit anyway maybe he's referring to the book of numbers to make it more confusing yes yes <laughs> well, the book of numbers uh which is one of three spheroes i know, I know. Yeah, just, I, know I, just, I know i know just trying to make it more I confusing <laughs> it's all lang- oh language but i love the implication which is essentially like you as a computer are created by things that like, like everything in the universe was put here by god therefore anything created by that stuff is made by god therefore you are even as an artificial intelligence bound by god's law um we get re- reference to halakha right which after seeing killpool i shouldn't be surprised but um how wonderful to see him actually mention halakha um you know Technically, nice halakha is meant to be legally binding for Jews, not for all living beings. So his logic's a little off when he argues and says, if you create in the image of God, you're bound by halakha. Um, according to Judaism, all living beings are not bound by halakha. There's actually specifically the seven Noahide laws that all human beings right. are bound by, but not the rest of halakha.
0: We have not, unless I missed it, we have not seen the word halakha appear in a comic no, book, no, right? No, I don't think so. So even just to say halacha of insider language, and, and you know instead of because you can easily just say Jewish law, or tra- the tradition or the sages, whatever. Yeah. Like some broad term, like halacha is a very sort of specific thing that refers to like Jewish law, but also the Torah as a as sort of a bigger idea, and it you know it literally means pa- you know to go halach halach. Right. You know, so it has other meaning. It's the way, it's sort of the way, follow the way. So I just want to say that I really appreciated that John Ostrander took the time to put that in there that, you know, that really. It was just like an extra, again, we said I said it earlier, that it's
1: just an extra touch that was unnecessary, but really nice. It's a nice flex. It's a really nice flex. It made it more Jewish. Completely. It made it so much more Jewish by its inclusion. Blowing up the Dome of the Rock is not okay. And I, I just, I really love also that it's like, dibbick is aware of what would be essentially um I don't know, maybe good and evil, maybe, right? Like he's making this choice, but he, he's not aware of right and wrong. And Ramban is bring, introducing morality to this, right? Like before this, it was all pure numbers. It was all like the d- decision, do we do this or not? And Ramban's introducing the complexity of morality. And I love that because part of my Judaism is learning morality and is learning right from wrong. We go to page 21 and we continue this conversation. Let's hear the next uh, the next little bit of conversation here.
0: And I must confess, I am uncertain. This morality is very confusing, very complex, Ramban.
1: Then perhaps you could hold off any further actions while you formulate an ethical response. To know what to do is good. To know why to do it is better. You you love that. I love it. You're going to use that in a
0: sermon. I'm sure. I'm
1: sure I'm going to include it. It's just, and you're going to quote a comic book. (laughs) I've done it before. I'll do it again. Uh, I know you have. Yeah. (laughs) So we just get this great, like, essentially. It's what what a Jewish rabbinic thing—the idea of like let's discuss this action ad infinitum, backwards and forwards, to really understand the core of what's going on before taking discussion. Now, of course, a lot of rabbinic discussion was about like like in the tractate Kiddushin, specifically Kiddushin forty B, we get this famous discussion. Um, between Rabbi Tarfon and the elders, and they're all, they're in Beit Natira and Lod, um, and a question is brought up asking, what is better um, Talmud Oma say, right? What's better, um, uh, learning or taking action, right? And so we could argue that Dybbuk is like, I must take action, I must blow up the Dome of the Rock, and Ramban is saying, you know, learning is better. And in this debate, Rabbi Tarfon says that action is better. Uh, Rabbi Akiva says that Talmud is better. And then everybody winds up coming together and agreeing and saying, Talmud, learning is better because learning leads to action. It brings you to action. And I think the implication is it brings you to an action that's better because of what Ramban said, that like you, it brings you to action but understanding why you're doing the action. And it brings you not to just robotic or automatic or unexamined action, but rather it brings you to an action that you are decisively behind because you've thought it out. And that's what Ramban's bringing up, and I like I love that that Jewish concept's appearing in a comic. Let's go to the very end. So page 22, the day's been saved. Um, Ramban makes a passing comment to Amanda Waller that Divic now questions everything and does nothing, which I love because also it's like, I feel like that's a critique of rabbis. You sit around and you talk so much. All you do is talk and discuss. You never do anything. Fine. Um, <laughs> and then at the very end, we get the strangest goodbye as Ramban offers amanda waller a blessing and he recites two-thirds of the priestly blessing to her thank you mrs waller may the lord bless you and keep you may his countenance shine upon you and be gracious unto you and right and right <laughs> is it we're all waiting it's like wait what's the next line and it doesn't appear at all right we're waiting for the third of it which essentially says you know may god uh uh, uh raise god's countenance upon you and grant you peace i mean shabbat shalom, I mean, shabbat shalom everyone. <laughs> you know i use this blessing at weddings all the time um it's so funny it's like uh you know i joked about this with you earlier henry maybe ramban knows better given amanda waller and suicide squad he's like peace is asking too much this woman is not going to find peace i'm not going to give it no. maybe that's what's going on i don't know it's really funny though um it feels it just
0: but a really nice ending to a comic. It's a
1: really sweet ending to the comic. It's really nice to see that. It's a a good close up. And it introduces these characters that John Ostrander is actually going to use a few more times throughout Suicide Squad and onto his next series. And we're going to cover all of that next time. Major props to John Ostrander and Kim Yale for the research that they've done and the work that they've done. Like the fact that we had non Jewish authors. Uh, that captured so much of Judaism and included so many details is just um, it's like, it's, it's Judaism done right. When done by people who aren't Jewish. I wish
0: I knew more about their writing collaboration, like their team, like, Mm. you know, who we have to thank for like the word halakha or something like that. Is that something that, which one of them is the deep researcher, and which is one of them? I would love to know more about that because, yeah, I know a few times I mentioned how that great this was of to put in there, and certainly I have no idea. It probably you know it could be it, it, it just as equally as much be Kim Yale. They're both credited as writers
1: on right. This. And, and I, I
0: want so apologies for not saying that earlier, um,
1: but you know, I would love to know how they got to this. Yeah. I think part of the reason that we keep saying Ostrander is because we know that our next episode will cover um, a series that Ostrander writes solo as opposed to with his wife. So we keep mentioning him, but like with all of, all of the ones we covered today, it's by far Kim Yale and John Ostrander. Um, Maybe we'll have an answer by next time, Henry, when we go ahead and continue looking at Ramban a little later in the 90s. And also with Ostrander and Yale,
0: you know her name is second i assume only because it's alphabetical but if you're going to take and this this guy of course his his name is at the end of the alphabet but if you're going to take the abbreviation of just those Letters of their last names, what would that spell?
1: Oi! Oh, great, great. Props to them. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Really excited to dive in next time as we continue. Um, and until that day, I'm Brandon Bernstein. I'm Henry Bernstein. No, no relation. relation. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Jewish Comics
0: Pod, or you can email us at Jewish Comics at gmail.com.